Hey, Lamb Rats. It is I, Igor, and I am back after a somewhat of a hiatus for grad school, and I'm wrapping up, helping out Queen V. There was an incident where I was uh, kind of trying to show off my chloroform class skills, and uh, let's just say she's indisposed. I am here to do a lazy version, meaning I haven't done hours and hours of research as I normally do. I decided just to kind of look and find different articles and resources about a case that I'd heard about years ago for the first time. Apparently it had been on Unsolved Mysteries. Maybe that was how I heard of it when I was watching them again on, I think, Tubi. Love Tubi. And it's called The Boys on the Tracks Case. I don't really have anything other than that prepared, and I'm just going to get right into it. So welcome. Starting off, I saw this article from Abnormal, Arkansas. So I was kind of hoping there would be ghost stories associated with it, but there weren't. And I guess that's okay. So I'm going to read most of it, like I said, and interject in different points on what I know, and then go through some different articles. The Mysterious Deaths of Don Henry and Kevin Ives. Now, this was updated in April of 2020. So it's about these two teenage boys in Bryant, Arkansas, and the forensic investigators have been stumped by their deaths since back in 1987. There's a lot of talk about a cover-up, which we'll get into, and possibly the police involved in that cover-up, which usually that's what it takes. So here's their story. Talking August 23rd of 87, there was 16-year-old Don Henry and his 17-year-old friend, Kevin Ives, and they decided to go hunting at night around midnight. You should see their pictures. I'll try to post it on the face my uh, Crime Keeper Facebook page. Uh, just normal kids. So they decided to go to a wooded area near Don's home along the railroad tracks. Four hours later, a 75-car, 6,000-ton cargo train taking its route through Little Rock ran over the boys because they were laying on the railroad tracks. The train engineer, Stephen Schroyer, noticed the boys as it drew closer. He blew the train's horn, but the boys never moved. He immediately tried to stop the train, but it was too late. The train was supposedly traveling over 50 miles an hour. The investigation, the Arkansas State Medical Examiner, Dr. Fami Malik, no relation to Ramey. I don't know if that's true or not. He was the first person to inspect the bodies. Dr. Malik's reason for cause of death was listed as, get this, being under the influence of marijuana. Now, I know most of us want Cheetos and, you know, I can stare at a tree for a few hours, but uh, that's it. He believed that the boys had smoked so much marijuana that they both put themselves in a drug-induced coma. Well, again, I can, I can see that just, you know, but mostly from you just chill out, not like a coma coma. Their deaths were ruled as accidental. And he believed that they were, were so out of it that they just went ahead and laid on the tracks and weren't able to move. No one really believed this theory. So the families had many questions about the deaths, so Kevin's family decided to hire a private detective. The private investigator's first place to look for potential answers was a local police department. Dun, dun, dun. I added that. It doesn't say it. 
So the private investigator was met with resistance, strangely, from the police, and they seemed reluctant to cooperate or speak about the case. That's kind of understandable in my mind because it's an ongoing case. Seeking answers, the boys' families held a press conference in the hopes the police department would reopen their case. The next day, the families got their wish. Prosecutor Richard Garrett, which I'm going to delve into him a little bit more, called for the boys' bodies to be exhumed for another autopsy. This time, a new pathologist was responsible for the autopsy. The pathologist had enough evidence to believe that one boy was already dead when he was run over and the other was unconscious. He believed that the boys consumed only a fraction of the marijuana that, that the state examiner, Dr. Malik, stated in his examination. Instead of their deaths being ruled accidental, the reason for cause of death was overturned. Their deaths were then ruled probable homicides. So they go on and do another third and final autopsy. Per the prosecutor, Richard Garrett, the pathologist of this examination indicated that there was evidence of stab wounds on Don's shirt. When the pathologist took a closer look at the bodies of Kevin Ives, it appeared he thought Kevin had been struck in the head with what the pathologist believed to be the butt of a rifle, similar to that of Don's rifle he had taken hunting with them. The second autopsy ruling was overturned. Their deaths were then ruled as homicides. Unfortunately, Richard Garrett, the prosecutor who had fought so hard for justice in the boys' case, died, now this says at the age of 27, made no sense to me, so I did look it up and find out it actually was a typo, 72. So he was 72, he was born in 46, and this was 2018, that he passed away. The families of the boys still have no solid answers as to what happened to their sons that night, but there are many theories. So let's uh, get into them, shall we? Foul play murder. According to Stephen Schroyer, of course, the engineer of the train, he stated that he noticed that the boys' hood bodies were covered with a green tarp. He also said that Don's 22 rifle had been laying next to the railroad tracks. The tarp was supposedly never found by the investigators. The boys were laying in the same parallel position on the tracks. Some said it seemed too coincidental, almost like they had been placed in that position by someone. Prosecutor Garrett also came across another quote-unquote coincidence. Six weeks after the case was reopened for the first time, two young boys in Oklahoma were found laying on the railroad tracks and were hit by a train. They were in a position similar to that of Kevin Ives and Don Henry. No suspect was ever appreh apprehended in their case. And there is a link to more reading on their deaths, it's Billy Hainline, H-A-I-N-L-I-N-E, and Dennis Decker, which maybe we'll uh, get into at some point. A week before the deaths of Kevin Ives and Don Henry, witnesses reported a man dressed in military fatigues near the track. No one recognized the man from around town. Police officer had approached him as his behavior was reported as strange and he reportedly opened fire on the police officer and ran away. Yeah, that is a tad strange. On the night of the boys' deaths, the man was seen again in the area, heading down a road near the area where the boys were hit by the train, but he was never found. Theory two, police cover-up. Witness from the area came forward not long after the deaths of the boys and stated that they had seen two boys beating Don and Kevin before getting them into a trunk and driving away. Very odd. No evidence was ever found validating this claim. Some think that the boys were a part of a police cover-up and that the boys knew something or saw something that they shouldn't have. 
Another third theory, wrong place, wrong time. Tips to the local police department claimed that the boys had stumbled upon a drug deal. I'd heard this one and had been murdered by drug dealers. Prosecutor Garrett believed that the Bryant area was a hub for drug trafficking and that the boys just so happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time hunting or trying to. That is all from Abnormal Arkansas. What else I found was the Daily Mail. Now, these are the two that I found first, and then I was probing a few other things about uh, Richard Garrett. So the second article is from the Daily Mail, which, you know, hey, you can love it. It's kind of like Britain's National Enquirer, but it came up in my search, so I was intrigued. Pro wrestler admits to role in 1987 unsolved train track murder of two boys and claims it was linked to a cocaine smuggling ring as he implicates criminal Arkansas politician in far-reaching cover-up. That's the uh, that's the headline. Woo! I have to take a drink um, after that. So it says former WWE star Billy Jack Haynes. Never heard of him has made bombshell claim in cold case. He's 62. And looking on, he says, now Haynes says he was working a cocaine drop when the boys stumbled across it. He implicates local law enforcement and and officials in the brutal double murder. Wow, he's really changed from his earlier days. There's a big muscular shot with his hair. Like it almost looks like a perm, a short perm, and a hit and a man bun, which is a strong look if you can pull it off. And, you know, hey, I'll post it and you can decide for yourself. And now he just looks like, yeah, a grandpa. That was like a roadie for some 70s band. Nothing wrong with that. So a former professional wrestler has come forward to say he witnessed the unsolved 87 murder of two teens implicating law enforcement and high elected officials in the crime. Billy Jack made his bombshell claims in video statements and interviews released this week, speaking out about the murder of Kevin Ives and Don Henry. Let's see what year this was. This was posted February of 2018. It goes on to say, now, August 23rd, 1987, 30 years ago, I was on the railroad tracks in Alexander, Arkansas, and witnessed everything that happened to two young boys on the tracks. He said in a video he recorded early in December, KATV reported the death of the two boys was quickly called a suicide by the state medical examiner, who then revised his ruling and said they had accidentally passed out on the tracks after smoking marijuana and were struck by the Union Pacific train around 430 in the morning. At the insistence of the dead boys' families, a grand jury was impaneled and ruled the deaths a probable homicide, finding that they had been murdered and then placed on the tracks to hide evidence of the killings. Haynes alleges the murders were connected to a cocaine smuggling ring and far-reaching cover-up orchestrated by a criminal politician. I think that's pretty much... Oh, no, there's more. I had to go past the stuff about the, you know, royal family. Blah. In 1987, Haynes was a successful professional wrestler. He claims that he was also involved in the seedy underworld of cocaine trafficking. I transported and trafficked large quantities of cocaine throughout the United States of America, he said in a second video, which was made public as part of an appeal to raise funds for the investigation. Hmm, Good for him, if it's all true, and hopefully going to the investigation. Haynes said he bought his supply from Barry Seal, a Louisiana smuggler for the Medellin cartel, who later operated out of an airpoint in Mena, Arkansas. Barry Seal later introduced me to a politician, 
drug dealer from Arkansas. She was assassinated in 1986 after turning DNA, DNA, wow, DEA informant. In August of 87, I was contacted by the Arkansas criminal politician and was asked if I would provide muscle for an Arkansas drug drop, Payne said. said. He said he left Detroit where he had been wrestling King Kong Bundy. Now I'm thinking of um, Al Bundy from Married with Children. My mind didn't go to Ted Bundy because that's not funny. Al Bundy is to me. And then so he headed south after the match or whatever they call it. Haynes says the politician wanted to make sure nothing was stolen from the drug drop by the state and local law enforcement officials he says were involved. Meanwhile, on the night of August 22nd, Kevin and Don were last seen heading into the woods with a flashlight and a 22 rifle to spotlight deer. Haynes claims the boys stumbled across the smuggling operation as a plane dropped duffel bags of drugs near the train tracks, about 15 miles southwest of the state capital, Little Rock. He said the boys were caught by the lawmen involved and beaten to death. Although Haynes said he didn't participate in killing them, he admits to helping move the bodies onto the train tracks. The train engineer that struck the boys said that they were lying motionless on the tracks and made no attempt to avoid being hit. Several of the law enforcement officials named in Haynes' confession went on to be arrested, which we'll get into, and convicted on unrelated drug charges or were themselves murdered. Linda Ives, Kevin's mother, sat next to Haynes throughout the first videotape confession, which has not been publicly released in full. She said she hopes some law enforcement agency, either local, state, or federal, will want to watch Haynes' confession or bring him back to Arkansas for an interview. Haynes has a history of making far-fetched claims, which isn't great. And then he meets up with a grieving mother. So again, I hope this is I mean, I don't hope it's legit, but I, you know, hope that they find out if it is or not. Maybe that's why we haven't heard anything more about it is it was, didn't go anywhere. Going back to his far-fetched claims, he believed, he said he believed WWE promoter Vince McMahon fathered the child of a now deceased wrestler and that Steve Austin is ultimately responsible for, responsible for the death of uh, wrestling legend Rowdy Roddy Piper. No idea. Don't know about that. If you're into wrestling, that's great. I know that Ben Kissel does kind of fun and he talks about all kinds of sports and really into wrestling. So he could probably, uh, you could probably listen to him and he'll have something to say. However, he was previously discussed uh, his role, Haynes, that is not Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Ben Kissel, in drug trafficking from the 80s and numerous interviews dating back to the early 2000s. And of course, the county and state law enforcement didn't immediately respond. So that probably didn't really go nowhere. When I saw that age discrepancy in the first article, I looked up Richard Garrett. Again, didn't believe that it was only 27 in in, uh, 2018. So I looked up something. And again, let's take this with a grain of salt. I, I don't know how much there is involved in it. I don't think he was prosecuted, but we'll get into this here now. It was from idfiles.com and it's titled uh, Bad Guys and then the article on Richard Garrett. So it says that Garrett participated in the train, the original train deaths episode of Unsolved Mysteries, along with Dan Harmon as a primary spokesman, Linda Ives did not know at this time that Harmon and Garrett were involved in the murders and were masterminding a heinous cover-up to protect the evidence of their involvement. So she gladly participated in the episode. 
In reality, Harmon and Garrett were in the ideal position of control, including access to callers on the tips line set up by Unsolved Mysteries. All caller information was given to Harmon and Garrett, who pretended to investigate, but this claims he, they instead responded with violent threats to callers with information damaging to them. Months later, Linda learned that Harmon was actually on the tracks with the boys that night and was a likely participant in the murders. So she goes ahead and warns the producers of Unsolved Mysteries, and they were willing to make necessary changes if the FBI would endorse the corrections, but the FBI wouldn't. Again, kind of understand that because, you know, it's already been on, they have to look into it, and they can't confirm or deny. At the time, Linda and Jean threw out thought that the FBI was conducting a forthright investigation and didn't want to jeopardize their case. But as it turned out, they conducted the most shameless cover-up of all, which ended all official investigations. And this has a link to FBI Arkansas Bureau. I didn't look into that more because I'm a slacker. It's difficult to believe the depth and reach of a cover-up, but the evidence presented throughout this website leaves little doubt of the absolute validity of this realization. Attorney Richard Garrett was Dan Harmon's sidekick, his right-hand man, his lapdog, and they go on and use a few other analogies. Get the picture? It says that, and I say, mm-hmm. If Dan Harmon was involved, Richard Garrett was involved. Garrett was also Harmon's assistant when Harmon headed the county grand jury investigating the train deaths. Garrett was always Harmon's deputy when Harmon was a district's prosecutor. According to U.S. Attorney Interoffice Memo, Dan Harmon and Richard Garrett were primary targets of the 1990 federal grand jury investigation of public official corruption in Saline County. When U.S. Attorney Chuck Banks cleared Dan Harmon of any wrongdoing, he also cleared Garrett. So it looks like he wasn't prosecuted, at least at this point in this article, which it doesn't have a year that I see. Then it has a link to absurd, absurd news footage of Richard Garrett. They don't obviously have a lot of good to say, but interesting. More take on the theory about um, their involvement in the cover-up. Then we go to ABC7 on your side, and it has Boys on the Tracks Revisited by Jason Peterson with a D on February 14th of 2018. And they talk about, do the setup about the murder or about the Don and Kevin being found and about them not moving, about uh, Dr. Malik said the boys were high, fell asleep, and then being the exhumation. And it references that no one was charged like we had heard before, but later the grand jury members voiced frustration over the lack of concern for the case by all law enforcement agencies. So that goes to what the uh, Bad Guys article is about. Books were written and films were made that attempted to identify and assign motives to those who may be involved. Two officers... Kirk Lane and Jay Campbell sued after being mentioned as suspects. Ultimately, they lost their defamation claims. And ultimately, they says they have no eyewitnesses. If so, they would arrest someone. But if they're all part of the cover-up, of course, I say that ain't going to happen. They said they've done extensive investigation and followed up on all the rumors. There's nothing to indicate to us in any way of foul play. Well, what about the stab wounds? And um, I'd like to hear more and maybe I'll look into it about what they said beaten to death. Maybe they were just trying to 
allude to that because of the stab wounds, but you would think that there would be more like bruising all over that would be mentioned. So I'm not sure. Two, it says here, two months ago, a man who says he's an eyewitness traveled to Arkansas to confess his involvement and apologize to Linda Eyes, which may be that uh, former wrestler. And it this article does say that Dan Harmon, the former prosecutor, and Jay Campbell, the former law enforcement officer, did later go to prison following drug-related convictions. So that is some validity there. And... I just wonder what happened to, you know, old uh, Haynes. That's pretty much what I got. I'll post some pictures and really would love to hear what you guys think, what you've heard, if you've gone down any rabbit holes on theories, and maybe I'll look for some updates, see if anything's come about since then. But, you know, then the quarantine hit and we just don't hear about those things much, unfortunately. So... Oh, and I also have to look into the Unsolved Mysteries episode. So let's do our homework and look into that. Hit me up on the Crime Keeper Facebook. Hope you guys are enjoying the new logos. We really are psyched about it. And hopefully, you know, I'm like I said, I'm wrapping up my second grad school course. I'm going to take a quarter off. So have more time to get back into it. But still, Queen V and I will be touching base, doing some crossover things like we like to do. And hopefully you enjoy it as well. But as of right now, I am being invited back into the lab by the scent of salty fish head goodness. Remember, lab rats, everyone has their own truth. Mine is Abby Normal. If you enjoy the experience and experiments of Murder Lab, go to Facebook, Instagram, and MurderLabMedia.com for updates. Share with your friends, those you created in a lab or not, as long as they can subscribe and listen, we'll take it. Murder Lab is available on Google Play and iTunes. The RSS feed is on MurderLabMedia.com for you to plug into your podcast app. We can always use more lab rats. 